1: Gave you the ability to work hard. Who put you in that situation to gain what you have? All that we have is from the Lord. All that we have is His. And we are called to be a manager. We're called to be a steward of all that we are, all that we have. Being generous in our lives. To be generous is defined or is characterized by having a a noble, a kindly spirit. You never see a grouchy person being generous, do you?
0: Greedy people are not much fun to be around. Selfish people are mean and usually full of anxiety. Generous people, on the other hand, are full of joy and a pleasure to be around. In today's message from the Gospel of Luke, Pastor David encourages us to be generous. All that we have comes from the Lord. Our physical gifts, our talents and abilities, and even our very lives are gifts from above. As we are good stewards and generous with all that we have been given... God's joy is poured out in our lives. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message entitled Heart of Generosity.
1: looking at Luke chapter 6 this morning. We've been looking at Luke for a while now in this section of scriptures. Jesus is speaking to those who are disciples of his and he says some pretty hard things, some pretty difficult things when you look at them on the surface. Difficult things for you and I to do in our own strength and in our own ability. You need to remember though that as he's saying these things, he's saying them to those who are his true followers. Those who truly want to follow Him... Not the masses of people that came because, again, of the blessings that they might receive or because of the miracles they might be a part of, but those that really and truly wanted to be his disciples. And as he speaks to them, he speaks here in this section uh, a, a portion of Scripture that we call the Beatitudes. Matthew has a good listing of these Beatitudes. Usually we look at Matthew's version of the Beatitudes, but we've been going through the Gospel of Luke. Here is Luke's version. Of these. These are the be attitudes. It's the kind of attitudes that ought to be in our life the kind of way that we ought to live our life. And the problem with the Beatitudes is similar to the problem that we have many times with the Proverbs. They're short, they're very much to the point, they're powerful, but there's not a whole lot of explanation behind them. It's a statement that's made, it's a direction that's made without a whole lot of uh, explaining how and where and in what way these things are to be done. And so what we need to do is allow Scripture to interpret Scripture. And that's what we're hoping to do today we are as i said we're in luke chapter 6 we're beginning i'm going to bring you back up to verse 36 though we've covered that in the past to get kind of a running start in luke chapter 6 verse 36 luke writes there as jesus is speaking jesus declares therefore be merciful just as your father in heaven is merciful then he says judge not and you shall not be judged Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, verse 38 tells us, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Last week we spoke quite a bit about those attributes of, of mercy and forgiveness, of not walking in judgment or criticism, not walking in condemnation. We spoke on that a lot. These are choices that each one of us have to make within our lives if we are going to follow Christ. If I say that I am a disciple of Jesus Christ, that I'm born again, then I have to choose to walk in mercy. It does not come automatically. Trust me, it does not come automatically. We have to choose to walk in mercy. We have to choose to walk To not walk in criticism. We have to choose to not walk in condemnation. We have to choose to walk in and continually offer forgiveness from our lives to others. That's what Jesus calls for us to do. And if I'm saying that I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, then these things need to be true in my life. Do we fail sometimes in them? Yeah, we do. But we pick up from there and we press on toward that goal of walking in mercy, walking in forgiveness, refusing to be critical, refusing to condemn. Because again, that's the heart of our Father. And if our Father's heart is full of mercy and forgiveness, I want to emulate my Father in my life here. In reference to our heart check, all of these things show a heart of mercy. And again, a heart just like our Father's heart. We come here this morning and we're primarily looking at verse 38, and here we find that verse 38 is intimately connected with these other things, with those attitudes or those attributes of mercy and non-judgment and non-condemnation and in forgiveness. And as we give out mercy in our life, as we give out forgiveness in our life, we're going to be blessed by God in these things. And however, that concept goes far, far beyond just these factors. Verse 38 speaks to the believer about having a heart of generosity. A heart of generosity. A heart that desires to give much more than it gets. And it deals with every aspect of our lives. And yes, it does deal even with our finances. But much, much more than money. This deals with areas of our life. Areas of stewardship of all of our life. Areas of generosity in every aspect of our life. Good definition of stewardship. Stewardship is defined as the conducting, supervising, or managing of something, especially the careful and responsible management Of something entrusted to one's care. Something entrusted to one's care. I ask you this morning, what do you have that God hasn't given you? You, you, you have breath this morning. Who gave you that breath? The Lord gave you that breath. You have life this morning. Who maintains your life? Who contains your life? Who, again, is over your life? The Lord has given you life. What do you have that, that, what do you have in the way of uh, material blessings? but that the Lord gave that to you. Oh, no, I worked hard for those things. Really? Who gave you the ability to work hard? Who put you in that situation to gain what you have? All that we have is from the Lord. All that we have is His, and we are called to be a manager. We're called to be a steward of all that we are, all that we have. Being generous in our lives. To be generous is defined or is characterized by having a a noble, a kindly spirit. You never see a grouchy person being generous, do you? It's a kind spirit that's generous. It's a kind spirit that's willing to, again, bless other people, to be liberal in giving. It says also marked by an abundance or or more than ample proportions. You see, to be generous to someone is not to give barely what they need, but to go above and beyond that. Aren't you glad that our God is generous toward us? He has given us above and beyond all that we could ever hope or imagine. That's the kind of God that we serve. That's the kind of Father is our Father. And that's who we are to live our lives in accordance to. And again, demonstrate the very attributes of our Heavenly Father in this life that we give. And as I said, the Beatitudes, they're very similar to the Proverbs. There's a lot of Proverbs that speak about this idea of generosity, but we're not going to cover all of them this morning. I just want to give you one, let you ponder on this one. It's found in Proverbs chapter 11. You don't need to turn there. You can, or you can write it down, look at it later. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24, it says, There is one who scatters, and yet he increases more. And then there's one who withholds what is more than right, but it leads to poverty. You understand what he's saying there? Think of a farmer for a moment, if you would. Because again, this was to an agrarian society. When the farmer scatters the seed, what happens? He gets much more in return. Not just what he put out, but much more in return. But a a, a farmer that, that holds back. Oh no, no, I'm not I'm not gonna put this seed out there. I can use this seed, I can grind the seed, I can eat this seed. Well, he's not going to plant much. He's not going to get much back. And as it says, it leads to poverty. There's a principle there that touches on every aspect of our life. But the writer of Proverbs goes on. In verse 25, he says, The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. You mean if I'm generous, pastor? I'll be able to make lots of money. Oh, I've heard that on the radio. I've heard that on the television. You sow ten dollars, the Lord will give you a hundred. Is that, that's not what we're talking about here. And I believe that that's, a, there's, I could go a long way against all of that, but I'm not going to this morning. Let me share with you what he is speaking. The generosity of your heart leads to a blessing of God in your life. It leads to prosperity spiritually in your life because suddenly you're not holding on so tightly to something that can be gone in just a moment. You're willing to live your life in releasing all of your life to the Lord and allowing Him to lead you in all of that. Can you see how this deals not just with finances, but it deals with every aspect of who we are? I believe that it speaks of one with that heart of generosity. When we look at the balance of God's Word, we see that principle running all throughout it, Old Testament and New Testament. There's a direct correlation between having a heart of generosity and receiving and knowing the blessings of God in our lives as individuals. When generosity is led by the Holy Spirit, guys, you got to understand, that's a powerful, powerful combination within a believer's life. Generosity led by the Holy Spirit. And it's got to be led by the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, you're going to be saying, oh, man, I knew I should have given some money to that guy over at Walmart. Or I, I, I knew I should have given something to that gal with the sign there in the median that on, on the street there. Well, maybe you should, maybe you shouldn't. It's got to be led by the Holy Spirit. And when you and I are led in every aspect of our lives by the Holy Spirit, when we desire and we respond and we act with a heart of generosity, there's going to be some times where the Holy Spirit says, no, that's not really a need there. But over here is a need. And it might not be a need of somebody with a sign. It just might be a need that as you, come, as you meet, as you speak with, the Holy Spirit speaks in and through you. To give and to understand, man, there are needs that are all around us in a lot of different ways within our lives. God is ready to work and move in our lives when we avail ourselves to be led by His Spirit. To help you understand this a little bit more clearly, I want to take you to another time, to another need. When the Lord was doing within building the, the nation of Israel, first he took them out of captivity. Remember back in Exodus, as the Lord took the Hebrew children out of Pharaoh's control, was bringing them to the promised land. The Lord was going to do this new thing, building a new nation, a nation that's going to be spirit-led, a nation that's going to be spirit-empowered. Therefore, God directed them to build a place that was dedicated to worship and to communion with him their father, their redeemer. Now, there's no doubt they could worship God anywhere. We can worship God anywhere, and we should live our lives that way. But God is also concerned about us coming together corporately to worship him. Separate from all the other distractions of the world. And so God directed them to build a tabernacle. It was kind of, it was a portable version, a a precursor of the temple that was going to be built once they get into the promised land. So God instructed Moses to receive an offering. The interesting thing was, it wasn't a forced offering. It wasn't one of obligation. The Lord specifically told Moses, he said, Speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering. From everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. Interesting situation there. Everyone who willingly with his heart gives. Personally, I love that. I mean, that relieves so much pressure. That relieves pressure from the congregation. That relieves pressure from Moses. He doesn't have to go and beat it out of them. No, he just says, hey, if you want to give, give. If you don't want to give, that's okay. And then for that congregation of Israel, it's like, wow, okay, so I don't have to give, but maybe I want to give. The pressure is totally off at that point in time. This allows the people with a heart of generosity to be a blessing and also to receive the blessing because of their generosity. When the tabernacle is finally finished, who do you think is going to be more blessed by this dwelling place? The ones who gave through a heart of generosity or the ones who withheld? I believe the ones who gave, who were really a part of it. They were blessed because they were part of all that God was doing. In that same passage in Exodus chapter 35, the word tells us that then everyone came whose heart was stirred, and everyone whose spirit was willing, and they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle and the meeting And down in verse 25 it says, And all the women who were gifted artisans, they spun yarn with their hands. Then down in verse 29 it says, And the children of Israel brought a freewill offering to the Lord, all the men and the women whose hearts were willing to bring material. It goes on to tell us that men who were spirit-led, spirit-filled, and spirit-empowered as craftsmen, as sculptors, as engravers, as jewelers, and as tapestry makers, they came to the work willing to be a part of what God was doing in their midst. They were gifted also to teach others those same jobs. They came to the work and they demonstrated that heart of generosity. Now catch this. And this is really, really the cool part of this entire event. Because there were so many people within the people of Israel that were willing to be a part, who desired to honor the Lord in their lives, through their gifts, through their talents. That in Exodus chapter 36, verse 5, the craftsmen came to Moses and declared, the people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded us to do. So then Moses gave a commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. And the people were restrained from bringing. Do you understand that? Oh, I have something I want to bring to the Lord. No, no. You keep it. We've got enough. Oh, but I want to give this to the work. No, you keep it. We've got enough. What preacher has ever said that ever? She <laughs> might say, well, that was a unique situation. And I'd say you're exactly right. It was a unique situation because a true heart of generosity isn't a common thing. The sad truth is, even among Christians, it's not a common thing. Let's look at how that same concept actually works also in the New Testament. The church of Jerusalem in the early chapters of the book of Acts in the early beginnings uh, there of the church itself in the first century, the church of Jerusalem went through great persecution. A lot of them lost their jobs, and in losing their jobs, they, they lost their welfare. They, they lost the ability to feed and care for their families because of it. One of the things we see in the early chapters of the book of Acts is that those who had extra land and houses sold that land, sold those houses, brought it to the disciples in order that the disciples might disperse that Among the people. We see that. We see that even in the early chapters of Acts, the people had this heart of generosity. Paul, the Apostle Paul, as he came into the scene, and as he left from uh, Israel and began traveling all around that area, planting churches... Touching churches, seeing that the Lord was moving in so many ways. As he came and spent time with all of these churches, he saw many with a heart of generosity. And he knew the problems that they were having in Jerusalem. And so as he went, he began speaking to these other churches of the problems back there. He wrote to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians about how the churches of Macedonia, they gave in an amazing way to this need that was in Jerusalem. And so he's kind of writing to Corinth. He said, man, the churches in Macedonia, it's amazing what they are doing. They were giving even beyond their ability. Why? Because they had a heart of generosity. They moved from giving to sacrificial giving. And in Second Corinthians chapter 8, Paul writes to that Corinthian church. He says, moreover, brethren... We make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. You see, they weren't a rich church, the churches of Macedonia. but Just out of the giving of their heart, man, their gifts abounded in liberality. He goes on to tell Corinth. He says, For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability... They were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministry for the saints. So in other words, Paul is saying they would come to us and say, here is our offering to the church in Jerusalem. Would you please take it? My thought is Paul is saying, look, you guys don't have much anyway. Really, is it really? T- no, please give. our. They implored, they urged Paul to take the money for the need for the ministry of the saints. In verse 5 he says, And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord, and then to us by the will of God. Do you catch that? They first gave themselves to the Lord. That's the primarily primary declaration in all of this. They first gave themselves to the Lord. If that isn't first, if that's not foremost in your life, then none of this really makes sense. If Christ isn't premier in your life, you're not going to walk with a heart of mercy. If Christ isn't the very focus of your life, you can't maintain a heart of generosity You may come to the pleading of a man or a woman once in a while, but you're not really and truly living with a heart of generosity. When the Lord Jesus became first in the lives of the Macedonian churches, everything else took a back seat. Beloved, it's as the Lord Jesus becomes primary in our lives that the reality of our Christian life shines through in every aspect of what we do. When Christ is first, His very essence pours through us to the world around us. Paul continued on. He, he's now going to address that church in Corinth directly down in verse seven. He says, but, but as for you, the church there in Corinth, you, you abound in everything. You abound in faith, in speech, in knowledge, and in, in all diligence, and in your love for us. He says, so see that you abound in this grace also. He's speaking about this heart of generosity. He says, everything else you're doing great, so have this heart of generosity. And again, Paul says, I I don't speak as a commandment, but I'm testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. In other words, that heart of generosity, that's the heart that our God has toward us. That he would give Christ for us in order that whoever would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. He poured out of his riches, became poor, in order that we who were dead in our trespasses and sin might have life and life eternal. Paul goes on to say, And in this I give advice. I love it. It's not a command. He so I, I just want to give you an advice here. Open our hearts. Change us
0: from within by the open word. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Open Word. David will continue teaching through the Gospel of Luke next time. Now we want to encourage you to become a Facebook friend with us. Log on to theopenword.com. You can also subscribe to The Open Word Podcast at theopenword.com. Or search for The Open Word in the iTunes Store. If you're like most people, you probably use a smartphone. Once you subscribe to The Open Word Podcast, you'll always have solid Bible teaching available to you anywhere, anytime. So log on to TheOpenWord.com and subscribe to The Open Word Podcast. Again, to become our Facebook friend and to access the archive of messages, log on to TheOpenWord.com. Now here's Tracy with information about how you can help partner with us.
1: We all know it's vitally important to support the local church, the place we call home. But it's also very important to support missionaries. Have you ever considered that the open word is a missionary work? It is. We need your
0: support as we share God's word over the airwaves. Please prayerfully consider financially supporting the open word. Go to TheOpenWord.com and click on the support option
1: in the main menu.
0: We invite you to join us again for the next study as David shares insights with us from the Gospel of Luke. That's next time on The Open Word.